0: Hey everybody, welcome to Generations Church Podcast, a podcast about everyday people who are committed to expanding God's family because of Jesus for generations to come. My name's John, I'm the Engagement Pastor here at Generations Church, and I'm sitting here with Kyle Davies, the lead pastor, and we had a pretty fun morning today so far. We just got done dropping off our Thanksgiving um, bags to some of the different schools in the area and so that was really cool for us to drop those off the Absolutely. freezing turkeys that are um, kind of chiseling down and dropping ice. In my we, farm, we were no thawing
1: them either. for the people. Exactly. Right? That's, that's what it was is we did not store them in the freezer or refrigerator we, we left them out so we helped the thawing yeah, process. Yeah and we started that process for them right? Exactly, exactly. But it was really cool we were able to complete 25 bags. Our church has just been I've just been blown away about by our church's generosity hmm. and the fact that we could provide 25 bags of food. The turkeys don't fit in the bags even so that <laughs> families could have Thanksgiving dinner. And one counselor gave Ruth and I a hug when we dropped it off. We got yeah. so many thank you so much from a couple other counselors and they were just blown away by providing. And yeah. there wasn't much conversation behind it. Yeah. It was the one school we dropped it off. I think the secretary was a little confused by it, but, <laughs> but, but 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 that's okay. You know, not everything needs an explanation. Not everything needs to know that, hey, this is coming from Generations Church. I think more than anything, an ability to practice give over get and say, we don't necessarily need the credit. You may not even know where this is coming from, but there are generous people who live in your community who care for the least of these who live right in Salmon Creek. And so we are so excited to, to do that. And our church rallied behind that. And I'm really cool to see. They're really excited to see what God might even do. Yeah. Uh, with these acts of generosity moving forward.
0: Well, I thought it was even cool. One of the places we went, one of their like things about we dropped it off and everything, and they're even brainstorming in their head like, wow, these people are serious about like contributing and helping out in that. Mm-hmm. And they're even like, well, Christmas are, is around the corner. Like, What needs do we have? Would you be interested in that? And so even just to see that continued relationship of them yeah. recognizing, okay, yes, they will follow through with helping in these things and actually caring for our kids who are in need. And so that, I think that was just a cool um, thing. And even nod to the people in our church who've rallied around providing these baskets, putting the money, buying the food for the bags. And so it's, it's been really cool to see some of that.
1: Yeah. through Money donations, can donations, people providing a bag, themselves. And so if you're listening to this and you're part of Generation Church, I just want to say thank you for being generous. Thank you for living out the vision and the values that we have set forward and know that you are making a tangible difference right here in Salmon Creek. And what I love, 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 love that you are doing in your generosity is that you may be giving to someone that may be your neighbor, might be someone down the street, and you will never know. But guess what? We know that the God of heaven knows, and he smiles upon just our generosity. And really, I was listening to the podcast the other day. I'm talking about podcasts on a podcast. I know the the irony. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But just the other day, and it really said "Is you know, there's sometimes in Scripture where it talks about generosity, and we should let our good works be seen by others. But at the same time, we, we shouldn't seek to take credit. And so I think this is one of those moments where others are watching us and seeing us. But we're not standing out pointing to ourselves and saying, hey, look at us. And I know I'm talking about that on the podcast. I'm not trying to point out, oh, hey, look at us, and we're talking about this. We just want to communicate to those who are listening. You can also make a difference in your community. You can practice, give over, get, and watch those who are observing you in your actions. They may be puzzled. They may be confused. But they may be taking
0: steps toward Jesus. As they observe you do simple good works, even if your church doesn't doesn't get the credit. Yeah, I love that. And the super tangent that we just got on, but I, I just had to bring that up because it was such a cool thing to see some of what's been going on for a couple weeks now, even diving into that this past weekend. But Kyle, kind of back to this past weekend, back to the sermon in which you got back up there, you got to preach this weekend. I did. And I think you started off and you had a little fun with a... Um, you brought out these couple of words and you basically had this opening concept of there's some common phrases, common wordings in our society, and some of them from our past that we've just kind of forgotten about. They kind of got washed away, kind of got brushed aside, and the next generation didn't take them up or it didn't get passed on. And so there are just some phrases and words that you threw out that everyone, I think there's a bunch of people in the room that were stumped. I was stumped by most of them. What of those words really stood out to you? Which one was maybe the most shocking? Which one did you find funny? Your favorite? Which one? The one that I think
1: got the most interaction and I think did stump everyone was iron your shoelaces, which is to go to the bathroom. I like, I even went back and read and I'm like, how, do, how, how do you get that phrase? Like, excuse yourself, like freshen up, Go to the powder room. Some of those make a little more sense for for ladies and makeup and stuff back in the day, and even today. Yeah. But the idea of go yeah. iron your shoelaces means to go to the bathroom. That that one was pretty pretty shocking. The mm-hmm. one I found the most probably hilarious out mm-hmm. of them all was Zazzled mm-hmm. getting getting belligerently drunk. I just there's a lot of Z's in that word, so, so I. I had to, I had to laugh, but you yes, asked the question. Hey, what are some phrases? Um, yeah, I mean there there are all kinds of other phrases, and I I think even just of of a couple phrases today. I heard one the other day is so I listened to a lot of Stephen A. Smith on ESPN. Love first take, love listening to his radio show, and it cracks me up because he always says, "Don't turn that dial," and that's that's a phrase that I'm like. No one has a dial on their TV anymore. Mm-hmm. I guess he could be saying like, "Don't turn the dial on your on your radio." And so some cars still have like a uh. dial knob for the radio, but most people have push buttons or oh, yeah. are digital or even even touch screens. And so that's a phrase that I'm like, I heard th- this past week that I was like, I I don't even know if that's in that's
0: in use anymore. John, do you have mm-hmm. one that? Comes to your mind? Um, I don't know. There's a word or phrase that I still sometimes think's a little odd, but I get where it's coming from. The phrase of grind your gears kind of thing. Mm. Something that kind of gets under your skin, the thing that makes your bones cringe or whatever, whatever like gets under your skin, makes you irritated, angry, someone says something or doesn't, what really grinds your gears? Isn't that a family guy reference? I don't know if it was. I I swear I heard a sportscaster say that. Okay. But I was gonna say,
1: I think I think that's uh, that's a Peter reference right there. You know what really grinds my gears. So hey, that's funny. If you watch Family Guy and that is accurate, please message us and tell us that yeah. I wasn't completely
0: off my rocker. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Dude, the, the one that stood out to me this weekend was the whole uh, close but no cigar. You still hear that sometimes. But I had no idea that it was really taken back to because at Carnival Games, that was the prize they gave out was cigars. And that stumps me because, like, you think of, like, Carnival Games now, and basically all you get is, like, stuffed teddy bears. What a what a change in society to go from, here's a bunch of cigars for shooting the ball in the hoop, and now it's, here's a stuffed teddy bear. Yes. Give it to your girlfriend or your child or i mean just can you imagine that a little five-year-old
1: kid throwing a dart at a balloon and the prize being here's a big old
0: cigar yeah go like, take this to your dad you know? yeah. yeah, yeah so that's we're just both like okay yeah those cracked me up and i'll i love that you even talked about like words today that maybe like even thinking what words and phrases today might get washed away might not get passed on to the next generations to come because these were all phrases that were apparently commonly used and Mm -hmm. commonly known, but they just get kind of put aside. Society changes and uses different things. And for us to even think, what are things today that are going to get transitioned in the next generations to come? But getting back to Colossians 1.14, you did something to start your discussion of this verse. I wasn't the biggest fan of it. You decided that you're going to take this verse and completely <laughs> flip it around and work backwards. Yes, I did. So Kyle, tell, tell me, the guy who is so concrete, sequential, want to take things in order for which it is, why did you take this backwards?
1: So yes, I worked through the verse backwards, but I, I was following a logical train of thought. And here was my logical train of thought is if we're going to talk about redemption and forgiveness and being in Christ, I think the natural status of every believer starts with a recognition that you can't help yourself at times, which means there has to be an awareness of sin. And so if you're following the verse that says, in him we have redemption, comma, or parenthetical kind of thought, the forgiveness of sins. And I work backwards because forgiveness is built on acknowledgement and recognizing that there's sin that needs to be made right, that forgiveness of sins is part of redemption, part of being payment, being rescued by ransom, by being exchanged for. And ultimately, we have access to redemption, and the forgiveness of our sins when we are in Christ. And so I worked backwards and said, sin first, an awareness of sin, brings a need for forgiveness, which gives us access to being made new Mm. through redemption. And when we get all of these three, the the result is, hey, we we are in Christ, and in Christ— we have redemption, we have the forgiveness of sins. And so the common really working backwards to front and frontwards to back to say, all this builds to, when we are in Jesus, we have redemption, we have forgiveness of sins. But in order to get to an acknowledgement and an awareness that we even need Jesus, mm-hmm. we have to recognize there's sin that needs forgiven, that we need to be made new, not just made right one time. And that's all happens because of Jesus.
0: Yeah, I like that. It's more the culmination of what this leads to instead of the from of it. You know, it kind of works from, be, from kind of end to front, I guess, of it's in Jesus that we can have redemption, the forgiveness of sins, this process. And yet you kind of flipped it on its head and said, like, let's look at this as a practicality uh, for us living in our day to day of we recognize that there's sin. Mm -hmm. How do we work through that sin? Well, we work through it through forgiveness, which means we are made new through redemption. We need to be made new, and we're able to be made new through Jesus. It all comes back and culminates in Jesus because of Jesus, that we're made new, we're forgiven of the sins in which are present around
1: us. And that's the flow of this letter of Colossians, is the next several verses all revolve around the centrality of Jesus. And so as we built to this point in the coming weeks, we had to recognize that what Paul is building to is the necessity and need for Jesus to be the leading role and figure. And it's easy from a top-down perspective to say, yes, Jesus changes this, this, and this, but oftentimes we forget that we are in a status, we are in a world that is broken. And I wouldn't say necessarily that that we forget that, but oftentimes that the sin that we see out there in the world is also within us. Mm. And so too often we want to point the finger, we want to blame, we we want to place the responsibility on someone else without an acknowledgement that we contribute to that evil, despite sometimes our best efforts and our best intentions. We cause emotional, relational vandalism. We cause a level of guilt, a level of injustice, sometimes intentional. But I would say, especially in our kind of Western culture, the idea of being someone good is still pretty prominent so most of that relational vandalism and the level of injustice is just simply unintentional. But we need to be made aware of where the injustice is present through our actions and attitudes, and also through the just that that emotional that that relational vandalism that, that's mm. caused. Yeah. We, we we need to be made aware of that, and so that we we stop pointing the fingers. Out and we start to remember that anytime we point one finger out, we've got three pointing back at us. And oh, so and your thumbs just pointing. And, your, and your, your, thumb, who knows what your thumbs that pointing doing. your need to God because it's pointing yeah. up. There we go. <laughs> yeah,
0: and so we really talk about this need and recognition of this world in which we live. And you um, took this word sin and you went back to the Greek um, word for it, the hamartia, the. And when we say hamartia, there's no H in Greek a little Okay, way. John, little Mr. Bible technical here. over here. There's this weird breathing mark, almost like a little phlegm thing. I'm glad you didn't do the whole like phlegm breathing. That no, that would have been. No one wants that spit. That's why I don't think they don't sit on the front row for you. I don't yes, know what that's all yes. about. But this, I'm not going to lean down
1: into my mic and.
0: Yeah, this hamartia. Yeah. yeah. Um, but really, you brought back this definition out of the Greek, out of. Um, This biblical knowledge that it's basically trying to get at this idea of missing the mark or Mm. missing the goal. How, what is this goal in which we're missing?
1: The goal in which we are missing is to be fully human, how how God intended us to be, which means the goal for humanity is to be in perfect relationship, to honor and love God, and to honor and love God each other. Love your neighbor as yourself. And so there's this relational perfection and connection with other humans, with, with all of mankind and with creation, and this love and honor with our creator God. And so to miss the goal means that we don't love and honor God to the degree that he deserves. Mm. Nor do we love and honor other humans to the degree that they deserve. We treat them as less than human. We treat them um, as animals. We treat them, in some cases, not how we would want to be treated Mm. ourselves. And so we miss the mark. We miss the goal when we don't love God and we don't love people and just to tie those two together because they're closely linked throughout Scripture, is there really two sides of the same coin. You pull out a quarter, pull out a penny, you know, whoever carries cash or change anymore. It's It's a single coin, but there are two different marks on either side, and that's really what loving God and loving people are all about. Mm-hmm. If you look at the Ten Commandments, you see the first several commandments are all about how you best love and honor God, and the Other part of the Ten Commandments are how you are rules or laws that say, here's how you best love and care for other people. And what's amazing is those Ten Commandments aren't exhaustive. There's a a lot of other laws in the Old Testament where God lays out for his people, here's a way to communicate to the watching world at that time, here's the uniqueness of me being creator God, and here's the uniqueness of you being my chosen people, and here's how you can best communicate my holiness, my love, my justice in the midst of really violent cultures in those early centuries of the world. And so love God, love people,
0: and the outflow of that is you help others do that. Yeah. And so we kind of get back to this concept of to sin is to miss that marker, miss that goal. The goal of loving God and loving others with all we have and all the time. And if we're being real, the world around us, I think we could we would all say, yeah, they they missed that marker, they missed that goal. We can identify um, people in our world, in our communities, online, on TV, that do that type of stuff. I think one thing that um, we often shy away from is the discussion that honestly, there is still sin inside the church, that even the mm. collective body, the sin, I like how you said it, the sin that's out there is present in here as well. Yes. Yeah, that there's those moments in which um, the evil that we see in the world, the wrong in which we see, sometimes happens and takes place in the church and where we are. And so let me, let me kind of pan this around ask you this question. Uh, since even us in the church... You look back at um, the Bible, and you see even some of the greatest um, kind of heroes of the Bible and stuff, they, they often miss the mark. Mm-hmm. They sin. They are in need of forgiveness. They kind of lean into that evil. They um, either choose not to love God or to not love others, and they kind of fall away from that in certain moments, and we even do that today. What is God's response into this? How do we see God react in spite mm. of this sin?
1: Well, we see God respond in love and to us, and his love manifests itself in several ways. The first way that we see is provision, him going before us so that we can know him. So he moves towards us so then we can know him. But as he moves towards us and we respond to him, he says, in many ways, this is how you stay in relationship. This is how you are made right or how you live out a measure of my justice. So God forgives us. He acts gracious towards us, which means he doesn't simply absolve our sin or our wrongdoing but he gives us favor in being able to return to connection with him, not just merely an elimination of the barrier between us. And that's that forgiveness of sins is so powerful because we, we see God offer a way for forgiveness. Hmm. And he does this in the Bible specifically for the Israelite people in the Day of Atonement. And in Leviticus... The first part is, is all these, these laws, and, all, and you're thinking, why all these laws? It's because God's holy, and his holiness, his goodness, and it's, his justice, and his love is like an all-consuming fire. It's like the sun. and So any impurities, anything that gets close will be burned up. Well, mm. there has to be something that protects us and allows us to be within God's presence. Mm. And so God provides this symbol this animal sacrifice that says the sin and the wrongdoing there's still there still has to be consequences there still has to be justice, which means the guilt that you've incurred the 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 debt that is owed for mm. your wrongdoing for that vandalism for that theft of honor from God has to be repaid in some way, so it's through animal sacrifice and in this day of atonement you see. One animal gets sacrificed to atone to cover the debt that was owed, but then you also will see mm. this other animal that was released upon the confession of wrongdoing, both intentional and unintentional, by the by the high priest for the community. Mm. And so you have this purification that happens and this debt repayment, so that they can walk in fellowship and union with. God, yeah. and so forgiveness is so important. And I use this phrase that forg- the essence of forgiveness is the absorption of pain instead of giving it. Is is to mm. forgive is to absorb the pain, and that's what you see in the animal. Is there's still consequences? Something with life had to absorb the consequences yeah. of our failure to miss the mark, mm. and in this case, it's the animal. And you may be thinking, well, that's not fair, and that's the exact point. Yeah. It's not fair. There's an inequality there. But yeah. God provides a way so that we can be reunited with Him yeah. so that then we can communicate to people and say, hey, look, you don't have to do all this wrong. You don't have to live in such a way. And actually, God provides a way for you to be in right fellowship so with Him. And that foreshadows to Jesus as being the perfect sacrifice and offering permanent forgiveness for us and he because he both died on the cross to be that that debt, that payment for our sin, but also offer offer purification for our life because of his resurrection and offering his life as an exchange yeah. for ours.
0: Well, I love that you go back to this idea of atonement back in Leviticus. Because it's really interesting here because you see the kind of the leader of uh, the Levites, the um, one anointed one who would do this sacrifice for all of the nation. Mm. They would do this once a year for the entire nation. They would take the two goats. They would kill one and they would take his blood and pour it over the altar. Mm-hmm. And then they would take the other one and they would basically cast amongst it all the sins. It yes. became... a uh, Some people might recognize the word of scapegoat. Yeah. This is the one that they would say, this is where all the sin is being cast upon, and they would send it into the wilderness. Yes. And it's a really interesting parallel in which we see Jesus' life, death, and resurrection of how Jesus goes to the cross. You see him take on all the sins to become the scapegoat for mankind and for his blood to literally be poured on the cross out for us.
1: And it offers us that opportunity to be reunited with God. Because when, our, when the debt is repaid,
0: mm.
1: that legal element of guilt or that debt is, is no longer in existence.
0: Mm.
1: The other aspect of it is that emotional vandalism that I talked about, is that relational fracture. There needs to be a level of restoration of reconciliation. So basically when you absorb the pain instead of giving it, what you're saying is you're choosing to act with good when you know the person who you are forgiving has acted maybe intentionally or unintentionally, has has harmed you. And so what you're doing is instead of lashing back out, instead of blaming, instead of let, essentially saying, you deserve this, I'm going to respond negatively, you are absorbing that mm. and responding in kindness or responding with patience, maybe, or responding with presence by, by being there for them, maybe when they haven't been there for you. But you're able to do this time and time again because you are the recipient against it, because you have profaned, you have dishonored, you have rebelled against a holy, transcendent creator. God. And Mm. what we have to remember is that if if Jesus, if God has done that for us, then we should be able to do that for others. And so that's not easy. It's not not a walk in the park. But you're able to do that time and time again because you remember on a cosmic scale, Mm. someone has done that for you, which brings life, which brings freedom. And that's, that's ultimately what, where their transition from forgiveness to redemption is. Is Redemption is purchasing back by payment. Yeah. So when forgiveness is present, the result is freedom. Yeah. You're purchased back. So then nothing is owed anymore. Yeah. You don't have this hanging guilt over you. You don't have this shame that's lingering or this fear of, what if someone finds out, well, I have to make it right again? Or what, what if I make another mistake? It's like, no you can actually move forward you can take another step you can mm. because that relationship has been made new primarily first in this case with god because of jesus and the capacity is there is to have a new relationship with others because of jesus and so even when someone's wronged you even when someone has hurt you you're saying no to live out of that redeemed identity, because my debt, my shame, my fear has been purchased by Jesus, mm. I can absorb the pain from another and offer them the same thing that was offered to me because of Jesus. And that, that is radical in our world today. We... we we want justice for ourselves. And again, in this scenario, in this conversation, I'm not talking about eliminating justice. Justice is present. Some There are consequences. There is, there are, the debt is is being paid. But in this case, it's not by you. Mm. It's by Jesus. Yeah. And that's, once again, is that frames up to say, we should work for justice. We should work to make things right in the world, And we can do that because there has been someone who has worked to make it right between us and God.
0: Yeah. And this whole I love this whole prayer of Paul that we've been going through in nine through 14, because it really, at the root of it, it gets to our dependence on God, and that it's in him in which we're able to, um, as we talked about a couple of weeks ago, we're able to have this wisdom. That is this knowledge applied that helps us in our everyday walk. Mm-hmm. And then we get to this, the next um, couple of verses where it talks about it's in this everyday walk that God strengthens us. Mm. He helps us endure as we look forward to the hope of the eternal inheritance and the light in which the kingdom to come that we look forward towards. And then we're reminded that it is through God that we're able to be rescued and transferred in this kingdom. And here in this final verse of this prayer, he says it's in Jesus mm. that we find redemption, the forgiveness of sins. It all comes back to this rooted dependence upon God. It's God who first act, acted for us. Even when we acted in resilience, rebellion to God who created us in his image, mm-hmm. we rebelled, we acted against him, we missed the mark, You know, we yeah. sinned, we missed the goal, and yet it is still God who makes a way, who steps in, who intervenes, Brings in this idea of atonement, this idea of redemption, forgiveness of our sins, and it's all rooted in Him. And even when we couldn't reach the mark, it's through Jesus that we're able to. Jesus gives us the way to reach that mark, to reach that goal. And so, Kyle, I'm going to bring us, I want us to bring this down because we keep talking in like these big terms with these big ideas and stuff, and it can be a little kind of big picture. And so, how does this look? This passage, this idea of sin, forgiveness, redemption, in him, Jesus. How does this look in our everyday lives? Like, how should we live in response to this verse? The way
1: in which we live in response to this verse is simply remembering where our identity is found. Mm -hmm. When we have a secure identity, We can live in response to that identity. Here's here's what I mean by that. Again, I played sports growing up. And there's usually a name on the front of the jersey and there's a name on the back. And one of the things that was always talked about is in playing sports is is you're you're representing two people. Mm. You're representing your team, your school on the front. And there's always a challenge – we, you know, play play for the collective, play for the school. But also, there was a name on the usually on the back of your jersey, and it was your last name. And it's remembering that that as you're playing in the field, you're representing your family, you're representing you're, you're representing others in a smaller sense. So it's you have this big collective sense. You're playing. You are a representative through your play, through your effort, whether good or bad, your attitude and your actions. You are a representative. And then sometimes there's this term thrown out, you know, play for school pride or play for family pride. Mm -hmm. And in the same way, we have to remember the team that we're on. We are on team Jesus when we've been baptized into him. That's what that transference is. We, We are now in him. And in him, we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins, which means that we can play 14 Jesus having this freedom, offering this forgiveness that's been offered us, recognizing that the evil out there is also the evil within. And mm. so there's this freedom that comes. You don't have to pretend that you have it all together. You can say, yeah, I, I screw up, but you know what? Thanks be to God that I'm forgiven in Jesus. Mm. Yeah, I, I'm not going to go out and intentionally try to sin or I'm going to intentionally try to, to do the wrong thing. Or try intentionally try to miss the mark, because that's not what you do in team sports. Yeah. You know the football player doesn't try to miss the field goal. You he know try they, they to the miss kicker. the tackle. Yeah, yeah, he doesn't try to miss the tackle. Sometimes it happens, but th- the goal is to get it right. And so when you're playing for teams, you want to get it right. But you can remember that even when you get it wrong, there is forgiveness. There's redemption. There's been a, there's been a victory that's secured. Mm because of Jesus. And so you live out of your identity. Here's here's another way to say this. God is, so God does. Therefore we are, so we do. See, so oftentimes we, the world wants to move us in reverse, kind of like I did in a passage going backwards. Mm -hmm. But we often think whatever we do defines who we are and who we are and whatever circumstances we find ourselves in defines what god wh- who what god has done therefore defines who god is and so in some cases when we think about what god is in, we think of or what he's not doing mm. and then we think of what he's not and so like because god hasn't done this which means he's not good and so we we work backwards but mm. this passage yeah. challenges us to remember no it's it's god first god has moved on our behalf so God is love, God is just, therefore, God acts in a loving and just way, yeah. his provision of Jesus, his opportunity to be reconciled back to us through, even the Old Testament, through animal sacrifice, therefore, we are chosen, we are loved, we we can be identified with him, yeah. and finally, therefore, so we can, we can love others, yeah. we, we, we didn't have to earn any of that, it's... It's, a, it's sequential in that way. Hmm. So if you're thinking about this, how, how do I live in this every day? I would invite you to simply, to continue some of the metaphor, the passage of walking worthily of this Lord, to walking in a way that says, I want to hit the goal.
0: Hmm.
1: Is to first, if you're not a believer, surrender your life to Jesus. Yeah. Say yes to following him. If you are someone who is following Jesus or say, yes, I'm a Christian. Yes, I'm a follower of Jesus. There is an area of your life that you've not totally surrendered, that you've maintained maybe some, some tight grip around. Mm-hmm. That you're saying, okay, Jesus, you can touch this area of my life, but, but not this private sin yep. or not this relationship. You've got to surrender that relationship, that situation, and that circumstance, that private sin to Jesus. And here's how you do that is the next step in this is telling someone. Mm. Is, that, is that confession piece. Is telling someone else that you want to surrender this area of your life so that you don't have to do this life alone. Yeah, That's the beautiful thing about this. is God says, no, you don't have to figure it out. You don't have to, you don't have to make it up on your own. You just got to be self-aware enough to tell someone. So mm. tell God and tell someone else. Yeah. Say if if you're a non-believer, say yes. I want to follow Jesus. Say yes. Like I don't have all the answers, but th- this this is this is the step I want to take, hmm. and allow someone else to work with you
0: to help you take this st- next step yeah. and the next step and, and the next step. Yeah. And this idea in confession, something I always come back to when. I always discuss this thing in confession. Sometimes we can get this misconstrued idea that we have to confess it to the world or confess it to everybody. Now, when, when I've always thought about confession, I think of it in three ways. I think one of the ones that we kind of overlook is the value of confessing to ourselves, mm. of admitting it and saying to myself, I have this struggle. Yeah. I'm missing the mark here. And I, I always challenge people to vocally say it to themselves because you might be able to internalize and go, yeah, I know I have this, I'm holding on to this. But when you vocally say mm-hmm. it, you're, ta- so good. you're taking a step in that. And then you vocally tell it to God and you vocally share it with a close friend mm-hmm. who's able to have that accountability to work on that with you, which is why we emphasize relationships so much. It's yes. the community of the church that rallies around this moment. Yes. And that
1: that comes to that that third piece, which is enjoy or experience the response that happens. Yeah. Because because here's what happens. When you you surrender to God, when you tell someone else, you begin to enjoy spirituality. You begin to enjoy things of faith. You begin to enjoy Christian community because you realize, oh. I'm not alone in this or someone else has that same struggle or someone else misses the mark too. I, I had this conversation the other day. Someone was talking about their experience with church and their pastor and someone was sitting in my, my kitchen table and they're like, what? They're like, I've seen my paper pastor come home tired after the end of the day. Cause I was hanging out his house on his, you know, at the kitchen table or it's like, but you get it. You get to see and experience all that God has for you. Mm-hmm. Through Christian community, and and you get to see some. I share that little example about someone going, "Oh, my my pastor doesn't have it all together either." Because John, w- we're normal people too. Yeah, we we emphasize everyday people in our vision, and that's not just for the people sitting in the chairs or the people serving. No. That's for us as well. We have a we have Monday mornings, we have Friday afternoons, just like everyone else, mm. and so we have to remember that our identity is not in what we do in yep. being pastors but is in who god says we are which are his children which are kids of his which are brothers in christ which are community members of generation church community members of hazeldell salmon creek and so just to recap surrender tell someone and enjoy hmm. like celebrate experience because when you do the first two, you will begin to see that third step come yeah. to fruition, and then here's the the fourth step: the the P. If you've caught our acronym in that, <laughs> take your next step or step into this or walk that S T E surrender. Yes. Tell enjoy. Yes, yes, and... we did it. We did. It. The last one is is pray. You have people in your life who you've you've withheld some of this from you've maybe been enjoying god and enjoying christian community and you've robbed others in your life of experiencing what you've been experiencing and i'm not saying that you need to run out and tell them right away i think that's that's a conversation that needs to be had but but first you need to pray hmm. and you you need to say god h- help me bring these first three that i've experiences how how can you help me s- Them experience this. So you need to pray about people who don't know Jesus. You need to pray about younger believers in your life who aren't experiencing or are withholding an area of their life. Pray about it. Pray about your own life and say, okay, God, help me do this again and again and again. Because that surrender, that tell, that enjoy, that pray, that's not something that you just do once. If you just took one step, you don't get very far. No. You've got to take this step again and again and again. And I would say every single day. Mm-hmm. When you wake up and your feet hit the floor, h- surrender to God. Tell someone that this is what you're trying to do today. Maybe it's ha- be, have more peace in your life. Have more patience. Have a little bit more joy. Exercise forgiveness. Make a different decision about your schedule. Care for someone, listen a little bit better, and watch what God does with it. So take a step, surrender, tell, enjoy, and pray, Mm. and watch what God does. And we talk a lot about here about why we do that, and that's because we want everyone to experience the goodness of God's family every day because of Jesus for generations to come. Hey, Kyle here. Thanks for listening to the Generations Church podcast. If you found this podcast helpful, please share it and subscribe on your podcasting platform. Leave us a review, that would be most appreciated. And don't forget, you can always reach out to us via email or send us a message on all of our social media because we would love to answer your questions about each week's sermon or even a midweek podcast. So, thanks again. Have a great day.